It's the 150th time of asking, but finally, Carlos Sainz can count himself as a race winner, and a race winner for Ferrari at that. Welcome to episode 210 of Grid Talk. Today, we're here to discuss all the day's action for the British Grand Prix. My name is Owen Medford, and and joining me, we have Philip Matthew from the Gripship Podcast. Hello. And Sophia Richmond and Tom Downey from Everything F1. Hi. Hello. Um, but first, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, you'll automatically go into our monthly draw to win a Grid Talk t-shirt from our champion range of merch. Our winner this month was Aaron Garrett785 for his five-star reviews. Uh, if you could email media at f1chronicle.com uh, to arrange uh, shipping of, of your uh, of your prize. Um uh, but basically, you know, get, make sure to be in, uh, in your in, in the draw for next month. Uh, and if you're one of the uh, 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and subscribe. So it was first place for Carlos Sainz. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and you know, it's been a, it's, you know, that's a great result for him, obviously, obviously, Tom. And to beat out the team that he, you know, was sort of dropped from all those years ago. Um, that's really got to take the cake, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, they say third time's the charm. It's more like 150 times the charm uh, this time for, for signs. But yeah, um, yeah, it probably is It probably is also a bit sweet for him to, to beat out Red Bulls. Obviously, he was, you know, he was Max's, uh, Max's teammate for a season and roughly a third back in 2015-2016. So yeah, I'd imagine he's not only happy to finally have the win, he's also pretty quite pleased that he beat Red Bull um, in, in that sense. Uh, it's just nice to see him win, to be honest. You know, uh, I've, I've said it a few times that I want to see him win. He's come close several times. Um, you know, Monza 2020 springs to mind when he's driving from McLaren and, and he said, I want this win when he was going down Gasly. You know, he's been second a few times. Uh, he's also... Coming into this race, I was a bit concerned that oh, Sainz just never led a race. You know, he's never known how to lead. But I forgot that in Russia last year, um, he beat what? Well, no, he didn't beat Land off the line, but he got an awesome toe down into turn two, uh, and he took the lead from from uh, from Lando Norris then, and he was holding his own in the lead for a while. And you know, he's led he's led some races. Oh, or led some laps this season. Um, and also with with the race restarts, uh, you know he somewhat got mugged by Max to begin with, but second time round after the very very scary crash, uh, he, he basically said, "Nah, sodgy mate, um, if you want this position, you're gonna have to come and take it off me." And it was nice to see signs then and at the end of the race get his elbows out, you know, sort of put his foot down a bit, not you know quite literally, and you know, and 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 say, "No, this is my place. I'm having it. I've earned it. I'm keeping it." And matey boy, if you want it, if you want it, you got to come and take it, sunshine. So it was nice to see signs have that bit of aggression about him, or that bit of sort of not not sort of rough and ready, but a bit of sort of like bravado, or or a bit of you know just a bit more, well, yeah, a bit more aggression, I suppose. Um, and then at the end of the race, when um, when Ferrari was was saying leave ten car lengths, he was he he said to he said to his engineer, he said, "Lol, no hun, I got Hamilton practically sniffing my gearbox. I'm not going to leave ten car lengths." because I'm going to be super vulnerable. And, you know, he was basically saying, no, I'm doing me. If you don't like it, suck it. And I'm going to go and take this win. And that's exactly what I did. And it was really nice to see. 
yeah, it's almost a slightly different science that we saw. I thought maybe he would be a bit like, you know, I thought when, when you know, he, he got a little bit hung out to dry initially. But as you say, he, uh, you know, he really, he, I'm, I'm glad to see him, you know, stamp his authority to to to, um, uh, to the team in, in ways and, and everyone else on track of, I, I am here. Um, you know, he's taken him 10 races, but he's really getting sort of, in, in, in 2022, he's really getting started. Um, after that, we have obviously the Red Bull of Sergio Perez, uh, Sophia, and it's I don't know for me at least um, I kind of find that this is like a sort of a, a successful failure for for Red Bull. Would would you see it that way? Yeah, I, I can understand your thinking of it. I Paris did very well towards the end. Though that battle in those last two uh, ten laps that was probably the highlight of the entire race for me, I think it turned into like a mini sprint races. Then you even had four cars wide a few times, but even also in the start as well, you had the two Ferraris and the two Red Bulls kind of all battling out in the front to begin with. Obviously Paris uh, suffered from front wing damage to begin with, and then pitted very like pretty much straight after. Cause I think he had the black and orange flags, and I thought that was going to be the end of it. I thought that was like, he was done. He, I think he was like running about 40 or f- like 30 seconds back from the pack. Like he was just completely out of it. And then obviously the safety cars and all the changing of everything that took place absolutely just bunched it up and made it perfect for him. And he, he made drive of the day. He got 20% of the votes, which wasn't my drive of the day, but I could see why he was good because those defendings that he had on the last 10 laps and the tire management that he was having as well. It was good for Red Bull for one of the drivers, maybe not so much for Max, given the amount of damage that he is currently or claiming to have suffered um, throughout the race. Four pit stops as well for Max compared to two, I think, for Perez. Um, but no, it was good for Perez. The points were needed for him. And it was good for constructors for uh, Red Bull as well. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent for the, uh, for the Red Bull and the constructors. Um, after uh, him, we have, and I, and I just want to say, I predicted this. I predicted this earlier this week, uh, and I was right. Uh, we have Lewis Hamilton in third. That Mercedes, they, they, it's taken them half a season, um, but they have done a, they've done a world of stuff on it. And it's actually to the point where, you know what, we thought genuinely looked like it could win a race. Um, you know, how happy will uh, will Lewis Hamilton and, and Mercedes be with that, Phil? I'm pretty sure he's really happy about it because I know I am and I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan. So the fact of the matter is the qualifying didn't work out as well yesterday for Moeen. And that last lap, I think the charging and arrange, trying to figure out how to time when to take that last lap, probably just missed on it, unfortunately. And he wanted to be further up. He gets a great start on the initial start of the race and was up to third. So who knows what could have came from that. Then you reset, has to come back from fourth, gets a little bit of an assist because uh, Perez has to go off with the wing issue. And then... um, kind of gets let go once he passes Lando Norris and he was kind of on his on his own at that point but he was catching the Ferraris and it looked like he was able to at least compete with them uh the way things were going prior to the Ocon um breakdown and full safety car there was an opportunity minus the slow pit stop that Lewis Hamilton might have been able to win the race 
um, which is the first time all year we could say that. It's the first time all year Mercedes, I mean, outside of last race at Canada where they had a little more pace too. I mean, it, Lewis looked like himself again at, at Canada. And then this race, he it's it's the British Grand Prix. You know he's going to always have all the energy and positivity in the world to want to be there and do well for the fans. And they just it just seemed like the energy was there in all good positives this weekend. It didn't seem like, yeah, they had a little issues in practice with the porpoising, but it wasn't as severe. Um, there's other stuff that's come out through the news and in regards to the arrow and the downforce side and might come up here later. Uh, but the reality is the Mercedes car actually didn't look bad. Yeah, it can't compete against a Red Bull um, on outright pace, especially on straightaways. But the car looked drivable. The car was usable. It looked like something that can compete. And for the world championship itself both on drivers and constructors it's a positive sign at the end of the day we kind of know what's going to happen in regards to both of those championships unless something really crazy happens with power units or you know certain other things but um little argy bargy by a certain driver um, based on how he drives other people. But other than that, really, we know what's going to happen in the drivers and the constructors this year. But Mercedes actually being competitive is actually is going to make a, a real positive three-team fight up front. And um, Lewis getting another, his 13th podium in the British Grand Prix, which is insanity, um, means that he's getting closer to the possibility of continuing his string of pulls and wins for every year of his career, the, the possibility that that might happen depending on the circuit. So it's a good thing, uh, honestly, for the field and for Formula One, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah, it certainly takes the sting out of, uh, of, uh, of a DNF for George, um, which we'll talk about later. Um, after that, we've got, uh, you know, in fourth place, um, you know, a little bit further behind, um, a driver I thought I personally think got hung out to dry, um, and you know, I think I think it is indicative of in some ways what happened with Ferrari today. Uh, in the in, as much as they've run the race, top, uh, won the race, uh, Tom, um, they've really kind of screwed the pooch with this one, haven't they? Yeah, um, Leclerc. Yeah, I, I was a bit confused as to why Ferrari didn't pit him when the safety car came out. Um, I understand maybe they're going for a split strategy, but in that position, you know, you could see that everyone was going to pit for sauce because we knew we were going to get a handful of racing laps, and it was, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was never going to be anything but a shootout, and it was the closest thing we've had to a sprint event since, you know, since we had the sprint in Imola um, earlier in the year, so. Yeah, signs. Uh, sorry, not signs. Uh, because sure what my brain is. Um, Le- <laughs> Leclerc, yeah, um, is, uh, hang out to dry. I thought he actually did quite well, given he was on worn hard tyres, and he had someone of the calibre of Lewis Hamilton bearing down behind him. Um, you know, you know, practically just driving up behind him, going, "I can smell you," and then was sort of lining up to overtake him. Um, so, you know, so it, it, he, he did well. Um, 
I I got to be honest when I saw Leclerc getting his elbows out just as much as just as much as he did, hypocritical. I know from a Max fan, but hey ho. Um, seeing just how much Leclerc was getting his elbows out, you know, there are a few points where I was thinking, is that sort of like going too far? Because it was when when Perez came under investigation for leaving the track and gaining an advantage. Then maybe I'm biased because I'm a Red Bull fan, but I thought. You can't really call that an advantage, given Perez basically, uh, sorry, given Leclerc basically gave him nowhere to go. Um, but I think, but you know, there's also the precedent that we got, so we know that we can race that hard. And I mean, I, I mean, if there are three drivers on the grid who are going to race that hard. It's going to be Leclerc, it's going to be Russell, and it's going to be um, Max. So, you know, so let's let's just let, let's enjoy that hard racing when it comes around because it's, you know, because we've always been talking about let them race. There's a big thing last year about let them race. And this is exactly what, what we want to see going back to um, Leclerc's actual race. Sorry, my computer's got mad. Um, going back to Leclerc's actual race. Um, yeah. He was a bit of a sitting duck on the safety car restart. Uh, and he was throwing a bit of a tantrum over the radio as well at, at some points. I did find it quite amusing um, after the race finish, and now when you just grinned, I think you know what I'm going to say, was when we had that shot of, of Mattia Bonotto basically going, now, now, now. Um, but yeah, you, you know it's bad when an Italian starts finger-wagging. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, so, so to see that at the end of the race, it was like, a, uh, it was like watching a, a, an angry parent or something tell off you tell tell off a, a little child. Um, uh, this might this might go down like a like a stale bread sandwich, but I thought at some at some points today, Leclerc sounded like a right entitled little brat on the radio. Um, a bit controversial, I know, but I don't care. Um, th- there were there were some points where he was coming across and saying, you "Need to get signs out of the way. You need to do this. You need to do that." Um, sounding like he had ideas somewhat above his station. Um, obviously, I'm paraphrasing exactly what he said, um, but but you know there were several points where he was saying, you, you know, he was saying, oh, you need to get, you know, you need to get Carlos to speed up, and you, you know, saying, you know, I can, you know, I can go and win this, I can do this, I can do that, all the rest of it, and it sounded like he was checking his toys out the cockpit a bit. Um, so it was also nice to see, uh, it, was, it was nice to see, then see signs overtake him on track for the win as well. Yeah, um, I, I think you know. I think, I think maybe Charles has gone too long without finding out the hard lesson that everyone learns when they drive for Ferrari, and that nobody is bigger than the prancing horse. Nobody. Um, Alonso, Fernando Alonso found that out the hard way, and uh, and Charles Leclerc probably needs to find it out that way too. Then again, bearing in mind that he had he was losing probably quite a lot of downforce off that front wing end plate uh, with a bit of damage, and still putting in fastest laps and things that I definitely couldn't couldn't do even with a fully functioned F1 car. Maybe he did have a little bit of a point, um, but I think you are right. You know, if you want those opportunities, you got to go and take them, and he didn't. Um, following that, we have the ever president, ever president, ever present Fernando Alonso in fifth place. Um, he's consistently been up there, Sophia, and it's kind of no surprise to, to always see him. Like he's, he, you know, I remember a few years ago Christian Horner said it back in twenty twelve, like you know, about ten years ago, when it was just like because because it's uh, Fernando, he'll always be on the podium, and then in this case, he's always in the top five. Yeah, I mean, he might take over George's um, 
streak of being the most consistent driver in top five who knows i mean we've said this on multiple podcasts on here and everything f1 alpine is probably the silent drivers like obviously not so much Ocon today given his own kind of uh, dnf which we'll, we'll explain later but alpine are just steadily quiet and like he was in the battle the four car battle in that 10 uh, lap race towards the end like he was catching up to Hamilton and Charles and Perez and like it got to the point that almost he could have overtaken and even made podium as well I think he said on post um interview uh, after the race like he it was better than what he expected he was expecting like p7 p8 for the team obviously finishing p5 he was a second out as well from um Charles as well they are good they are surprisingly good I see them still as mid level because obviously they are fourth i believe in the constructors now because of today i'm not entirely sure but they are fourth or fifth in constructors so they're still mid-team but they're still kind of catching up maybe not to where red bull and ferrari are but like could be very close to mercedes towards the end of the season but it's alonso as well like he's just come out of all guns blazing this season i don't know if it's the new regulations and the new car is like pretty much kicking him into second gear for it excuse my pun but like it just seems so much it's adding up so much better for Alonso this season which part of me is happy for it because it's good for the team and good for him as a driver but then it also makes me still question and worry about Piastri as well because the question of if Alonso was going to do bad this season or like average Piastri might have come in but now that Alonso is doing so well it's more and more unlikely we will see him obviously in the Alpine. He might go Williams. He might go somewhere else. We don't know. But like, it was still a glimmer of hope I was hoping for to see Piastri in the team that he's actually the reserve driver for. But it's just been good for Alonso. Like, like I said, he, he was expecting P7 or P8 and finished in P5. Could have been P4. Could have even been P3 towards the end. Good battling um, on some of those last kind of corners and the last um, 10 laps. But yeah, good race for them, for him. Maybe not so much the team because of Alcon's DNF due to fuel issues. I think it was announced fuel pump issues. But yeah, really good for him, for sure. Yeah, we're fast approaching the time where we'll be in 30 years' time and we'll be talking about this 70-year-old young driver, Alonso. Uh, 100%. Keeping, <laughs> keeping out F2 drivers from a Formula <laughs> 1 seat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, after that, you know, but at, at Lonzo's former team, we have uh, we have Lando Norris from McLaren, um, Philip. Um, I don't. I think it's probably a, a good thing to say that Lando Norris has actually had a, a kind of uneventful race, unless I'm just missing anything that he did um, today. I think the action for him came after during with the safety car, one of the safety cars, where I guess he got let out behind. Uh, Alonzo there after his initial battle with Lewis. Uh, he was in his own world, basically, uh, for a good amount of the race, holding up the, the honor for McLaren on a pretty brutal day for them in terms of motorsports today, based on what's going on on the IndyCar side. Um, the fact is, Lando, of course, the energy uh, that he has, of course, wanting to do well in front of his own crowd was there. Um, the fact that he didn't get beheaded by um, Daniel on Friday from whatever the bouncy ball, which has been made into a meme. Um, 
that aside, I mean, I am surprised he didn't have to go and get checked out or anything because it seemed like he took his face off and he might have been in concussion protocol. There's been hits that you would wonder about how many G's he took right to the face. I'm like, that's the one way for Daniel to go and actually beat Lando, just go and take his head off. And um, he couldn't do it anyway. Um, Lando did a great job this weekend, not only in qualifying, um, he was able to hold his own in the race. And um, right now, of course, the battles with Alpine. Um, Sophie was talking about that. The fact is um, they have a six-point lead. So fundamentally, that's what it is in regards to fourth and fifth in the constructors. Lando right now is seventh in the world championship. Uh, the gap, of course, I think it was a much closer gap to Lewis prior to today. Um, but now um, his battle is more with uh, – Botas, Ocon, and Alonso, really. Um, he has a huge, I mean, the gap is 30 points of Alonso, but um, I think that's really where the mix is there. And, you know, Lando just continuing to show why he's the lead dog there, and they have to find, um, they're going to end up having to find somebody else for the other seat, um, I think. And, um, you know, a solid run making the most of their situation there and they're hoping for better days ahead. I think trying to get themselves into the top three battle, but there's still work to do. So we'll see what happens with that. But Lando, um, it looks like the Lando of last year at times where he was really, really fast and may have contended for wins or had a chance to win. He looks like that guy again. I think there's, you know, some of the crashes and some of the, DNFs had kind of affected him. Well, I think he's back, and it was a positive um, performance here this whole entire weekend. Yeah, you could have uh, you could have been forgiven for thinking there was a cult of Lando uh, with some of the uh, chants from the stands there. Um, right, so we have uh, the World Championship leader. Um, bad day for Verstappen, Tom. Well, it wasn't ideal, was it? Let's be fair. Um, yeah, not a brilliant day out in the office. Um, I think I think yesterday was perhaps a bit of an omen of what today was going to be. Um, you know, you know, yesterday he set three fastest sectors in quality, but still didn't stick on the front row. Well, so, sorry, didn't stick on Paul stuck on the front row. Um, and lost out to his former teammate. Um, yeah, uh, it's easy to say what if. Um, you know, life would be easier if we could say what if. Had there not been the red flag at the start, you know, I think he'd you know, he'd absolutely mug signs to begin with, and and I in in my opinion, don't forget this is just one man's opinion. Um, I suspect that if he would have, you know, if the race would have sort of continued as normal, had there not been that horrendous crash with Guan Yu Zhou, um, I strongly suspect that Max would have settled into a rhythm out in front. He wouldn't have been riding the curb so aggressively because he didn't need to try and catch up or or uh, you know or, or make up places or whatever he, he could have just backed off a bit and done a done a bit of a Sunday drive but that was not the case um we had the red flag we had the hours delay or so and then we came back in um and both the signs were on the same tire this time round like I said earlier signs said no this is mine blah 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 um took it uh you know held held the uh, held the lead and then obviously you know max max being max um he was absolutely determined to get back in front which he's a racing driver you, you know he's, he's world champion what to expect um and he just rode the curve too hard 
you know, we'll talk about the sausage curve later on, I imagine. Um, but he, yeah, he rode the sausage curve too hard. It ruined the, it ruined the underneath of his car, which ruined the ground effect, um, which ruined his race. I got to be honest when I when I heard him say oh puncture you know you know when, when I heard him say oh, I think it's a puncture I was watching him come in and I was thinking doesn't look like a puncture I thought you know you know you know because if it was a slow puncture he wouldn't be going that slowly immediately and if, and and when he came into the pits he, he's obviously lost a lot of pace um, so you know so I think I'm you know maybe the sidewalls gone or something but when he pitted I was looking I was thinking I don't know I don't think so. And then he was slow again when when he's coming out. You know, he's complaining about the rear. So I thought, you know, so initially I thought maybe a push rod or a track rod had gone, but no, there was nothing. And then you know, then we heard from from his race engineer JP that uh, that he that he ruined the floor. So yeah, I mean, you can only blame himself. Um, he pushed too hard and he paid the price for it. Um, I get he's a racing driver, and obviously, you know, someone like Max, they want to win. They want to win every race. You know, we, we know what he's like with that, but he should have really just eased off a bit, um, you know, tried to play the strategy game, and maybe he'd have ended up better than seventh. It was seventh, wasn't he, today? Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah. And I think seventh is a bit of an overachievement for today. I think he was lucky to even finish in the points at all given how much pace he was losing, and I think the safety car saved him a bit. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird... It, 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 I guess it must be difficult, I, I guess, just to, to realise exactly what it is, particularly when you're in the heat of the moment. And, it, you know, it, was, it, it did look weird when he came into the, uh, to the pit limiter line and, and locked everything up. And, um, but, you know, I, I just want to provide an alternative view that I think, that honestly, Red Bull has done the best out of a bad situation and that Ferrari have done... I've somehow managed to win the, win the race and, and, and do a terrible situation. Maybe that's just the, what, uh, what their performance has led, the, led them up to this far. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's not done great. Um, uh, fighting with Max Verstappen with his severely damaged car, which I think it, uh, puts a um, you know makes an important point about how much you have to look after your equipment this year. Um, the underfloor was already pretty important, and now it's super important. It seems um, you know that Red Bull went from being a uh, you know a championship winning car that it looked like uh, to dealing with a Haas. Um, Sophia, uh, well, yeah, we've got uh, Mick Schumacher, who first points. Yeah, um, ecstatic, to say the least. Um, I kept on saying in, like, the group chats, oh, my God, Mick's in, like, ninth, Mick's in eighth, Mick's in tenth, double has. Oh, my God, it's going to be double has points. It was just such a, like, crazy race for them as well. Like, they were quite how they didn't get caught up in the accident in the first lap that was a big thing that i was just kind of like shocked given that obviously they have been quite unlucky being kind of caught into other people's situations and everything but those last couple of laps the battle even towards like right at the end the last corner as well between max i mean the joke's like it's not the first time we've seen a schumacher of a staff in battle it <laughs> brought back memories of many years past um but I'm so happy. We we've said this multiple times. Mick needed points. This is a crucial factor. Like he's finally scored his first ever F1 points. Now every driver on the grid has had F1 points either last season or this season or previous seasons. Like it's now kind of setting a tone. Um, Gunther said in post race as well. Like 
they're happy for the points, but now they kind of need to reel it back saying, right, it's not a given that we're going to get points every weekend or double points every weekend. We still would like to get points, but it's not like a necessity. But I think it it's helped Mick kind of ease off a little bit of the pressures as well, because obviously, like I said, we've said, like, he needs the points. He's the only driver without points. Second year compared to uh, second year drivers like Yuki and first year drivers like Zhou Guan Yu, who have had points already uh, this season, it, it was definitely needed. I'm hoping we can continue seeing points here and there for Haas because they did come in with upgrades as well this season, uh, uh, this race at Silverstone as well. So I'm hoping that these are the upgrades that they needed and we can start seeing it again. Um, Kevin as well, finishing P10, double Haas points. That's also <laughs> a great feat to have. Um, and they definitely need it given the unlucky runs that they've been having these last couple of races with engine problems, DNFs, just running out of the races due to simple, stupid mistakes. Um, but yeah, absolutely ecstatic for Mick. Definitely deserved it with coming from such a low place in qualifying. Both of them come from such a low place in qualifying, albeit a few of the drivers with the DNFs kind of helped that make possible. But it was just so good to see and well needed for the team. Hopefully that boosts his morale going into Austria and going into the rest of the season. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, you uh, have to... As you say, um, you know, feel the happy feelings, you know, you know, you've got double points finished, you know, and, and, you know, enjoy that. But like, let's not get ahead of ourselves and, you know, rein it in and, you know, take a minute and, uh, and, you know, move on to the next one and and hopefully build on it in a sort of a more constructive way. Um, One thing I would say I'd love to, I was, I was very happy to see um, in Schumacher's battling um, just quickly is that um, no silly mistakes when battling Verstappen, battle, you know, admittedly Verstappen's got one hand tied behind his back with a, with a bit of an unstable car, but no silly mistakes, not running into the back of him, not doing things that, you know, four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel managed to do uh, going into club corner. You know, really, really mature. And uh, and, I, and I hope that that's, we, we see more of that. Um, something I also kind of hope we see more of is Sebastian Vettel in, ninth, you know, at least ninth place or better, uh, Phil. Um, you know, to, to, to go from a great, what was it, a great start, uh, sorry, no, ter- terrible qualifying, sorry, to a really great first start, and then you know you get put back to right where you were, were beginning. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? Yeah, considering where they are uh, relative in the pecking order, and to be in the last next to last row yesterday with no pace and mixed uh, conditions. Um, not only was his great uh, flow working, his car, his driving's uh, ability was back to uh, the great Sebastian Vettel minus running into somebody, of course, um, in the first corner. Um, but you know, we he does drive for Aston Martin, so um, he has a very low bar to measure. To um, he was able to go and get a couple of points for them. Their battle, of course, is with Haas and with Williams in regards to uh, constructor standings. They're now only, the Haas gets the double points, which um, we'll get into, and um, they overtake Aston Martin today, but it's only two points. So, um, and Alpha Tori is only seven points ahead of them. So actually in, in all, and I, I mean, I didn't know that that was the case now, and then I just checked it out. So Al- Alpha Tori, Haas and Aston Martin are actually in a battle. So 
I mean, for for Vettel to get to make the most out of that situation, positive um, weekend, a home race for the team. Um, it may have not been his best performance at the start of the race, but by the end of the race, taking what happened and what had gone on outside of them to go and get points uh, is a good result for them, considering that their car is probably no better than the eighth best car on the grid right now. So getting a ninth place finish isn't really all that bad. Yeah, it's a great result. Um, again, you know, as we talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh, Tom, we have uh, Magnussen, Kevin Magnussen uh, in in 10th place, rounding out our point scorers. Um, again, a great, you know, a, gr- a great thing to have happen for Haas. Yeah, Um I mean, Haas posted on their social media. They said something like, "We've waited three years to, to say this, but double points for 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 Haas." And it's like, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been it's been a little while coming. Um, you know, a bit of an element of fortune, obviously. You know, with people retiring and all the rest of it. But I mean, I mean, K-Mag beat the new go to the grid Latifi. So you know, so he's um, you know, credit where it's due. Um, but no, yes, um, it, it is nice to see Haas back in the points. And like I said yesterday on the show, you know, they've they're somewhat over-promised and under-delivered this year. And qualifying yesterday was no exception with them both out in Q1. However, we see them both in the points today and we see them both in the points on merit as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just good for Haas. I, th- I, th- I think they need it, to be honest. Um, they need this sort of like almost like sort of confidence boost, you could call it, because they started the season with so much promise. And you know, K Mag was what P5 on on the you know, in the first race in Bahrain, and then they've sort of just been they've been a bit on a bit of a sort of downward spiral from there. They've had some unfortunate reliability issues with the Ferrari power units, and obviously, um, uh, Mix had a few accidents and all the rest of it, and missed out on points a few times. But no, they've done it. It's what they need. Um, and hopefully it means they'll start to move up the constructors' table because I don't think ninth is an accurate representation of where that team is. Given Aston Bloody Martin are ahead of them in, in, in the constructors, you know, talk talk about you know, you know, to talk about winding you up. You know, you know, if you got you got Lance Bloody Strolls ahead of you, you know, in, in, in the in the in the championships, that's that's got a sting. Um you know, you know, so it's uh, it's good to see them back in the points, and I hope that they can carry this momentum. And I also hope that they can take some lessons learned from from this weekend, both the good lessons in the sense, obviously, you know, double points. Well, who let's all go have a parate, but also some le- some lessons learned from qualifying, where where you know they didn't do so. I know it was wet, um, but you know, just just take some take some lessons learned. Look at how they did so well in Canada. Um, you know, you know, you know, in qualifying anyway. Um, obviously, the race less said the better. Um, you know, but just just take the positives that they've got, build on it, and then get that over into into the rest of the season. Because this was what race number eight of the season, I think. Um, and we've got was it, no, uh, no nine ten nine. I don't know. Don't care. Do care actually, um, but um, thank you, Sophia. Yes, race nine. Um, yeah, you know, so, you know, so you know, we're we're just over a third of the way into the season now, um, and uh, and yeah, you know, Haas can Haas need to finish higher than ninth in the constructors this year. They need to be 
Aston Martin and Williams at the very least, because they are a midfield team and they've proved that today. Um, but yeah, you, you know, they, 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 they just need to be more consistent. And, you know, I'm not saying you know them to qualify on the third row of the grid um, every weekend. It's not going to happen. But they need to be getting more consistently. They, they, sorry, they need to be consistently getting points, whether that's one driver or both of them. You know, they, they need to just keep chipping away at it. And today is a good start of that for the rest of the season. Yeah, 100%. Um... Yeah, it's a it's it's a really consistent day for them. Um, after that, uh, around just outside the point, uh, we have Lance Stroll. He's not far outside the point. He's only a couple of seconds away. Um, it's kind of I don't know, kind of an anonymous performance. Just just slipped slipped under the radar, which is probably as much as can be said for Stroll because you know he, he but basically he just followed in uh, Investor's footsteps and he did well out of it, didn't it, Sophia? Yeah, I mean, the biggest one was watching the replays of the accident in the first uh, corner. How, between both accidents as well, like not just the one, but both, how did he come out unscathed? Because he was bottom of the grid as well. He was starting at the bottom. I, I, <laughs> and it's Stroll as well. You would expect him to like be nicked by somebody, spin by somebody, suffer a puncture or something to the wings. He had no damage whatsoever that entire race. And a, just a quiet race from him, which is what I think Aston Martin would like to see from him and not see him spin out every once in a while or kind of take stupid risks uh, with other drivers. It was good. It was quite close as well. Like uh, He was battling with Kevin and Latifi for that final spots, uh, final spots for the points um, for the last couple laps as well. But yeah, it was quite quiet. Good. I mean, good for him because it's what he needs to kind of prove himself as a driver. Again, I hate it. It sounds bad, but like the only reason why he has finished up a little bit higher, I was due to the amount of DNFs. I think, given that he was back of the grid, he didn't take any major risks. Any, I don't think he even did any key overtakes from what I could see on commentaries and was seen on video and clips and everything. There wasn't any kind of key overtakes for positions. He just kept his head down and let other people make more of the mistakes for him to keep on getting ahead. And sometimes it works in his favor as of today. And we've seen that in other races over the years when other drivers make mistakes, it's to the benefits of other teams. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. Um, I think Lawrence said on grid on the grid walk with Martin, they know what the problems were yesterday, but then did not want to explain anything more from it. So I think there's going to be some upgrades coming into Austria, maybe, or a few more upgrades coming in the next couple of races before the summer break. Um, but yeah, unscathed, no crash, close to the points, decent race for him. Yeah, very, very sort of boring is good. Um, after that, we've uh, you know, I kind of I can't believe I'm saying this, but we have Nicholas Latifi in twelfth place. Which and, and, and someone who was fighting Max Verstappen, who was looking like he was going to be threatening Max Verstappen at a certain point, um, he kind of got, you know, yeah. It, it, I I can't believe I'm saying that, Phil. <laughs> well, I I would say that this is probably the best performance of Nicholas Latifi's career in terms of a full race weekend. 
uh, minus, of course, getting the points at Hungary last year. And um, the the fact is he qualified in Q3, granted, of course, mixed conditions. His teammate, of course, is well, much more highly rated as it's been his whole entire career. And he goes and out-qualifies him and gets into, um, you know, Q3, of course, while Albon uh, falls out in Q1. He runs well, and he was in the points for a good amount of the race and actually didn't look all that bad. It, he actually didn't look like, you know, typical of what him and, and his buddy Lance look like most of the time, which is just field fillers. Um, he actually looked like he belonged out there. Uh, the safety car probably was one of the people that was most affected, I think, would I would say, uh, was uh, Nicholas Latifi in that spot because he could have possibly gotten points there. And you consider that Williams only has three points. They're likely going to finish on the bottom of the table, of course. But in the grand scheme of things, every point matters. Um, I think Nicholas Latifi felt, considering the circumstances of what had gone on and how the race had been for the most part, I think he would have wanted a point from today. Unfortunately, he fell just a little bit short of that. But when you consider where his place is on the grid at the moment and the likelihood of him holding his seat, um, there was, of course, the rumors that he wasn't even going to have a seat this weekend. Um, so, okay, fine. Well, now we probably see him get go through the rest of the summer. Um, but it's these kind of performances that will keep them in the car for the remainder of the year. Um, if, uh, if he, if that's the choice that Williams and Doralton make, uh, he needs to do that. Uh, those kind of performances, um, it's not going to fall into their favor like it did today with the amount of DNFs and amount of stuff that went on, but he looked like he, he looked. That was one of his best performances, honestly. I usually slag him. I know we. I, I heard it yesterday on the qualifying show, and um, Jawad said that too. And I'm like, I'm I'm good for slagging him too. It's pretty easy. It's not that hard to do. But um, credit where credits due for a car that's not that good to go and make the most out of that situation. Possibly go and get points. Um, credit to them and what they did and um, we'll see what they have in store as the season goes on. I don't know what that really entails, but I would venture to say we'll probably know what he has probably by Belgium and the post summer swing. If, if he really is going to stay in formula one. Mm, absolutely. Um, st- speaking of staying in formula one, um, we've got Daniel Ricardo, which is a, is a horrible prospect, really. Um, if, you know, Daniel Ricciardo in thirteenth place. You know, miles off, absolutely miles off for 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 no real reason. And and this is yeah, again, it's it's another poor weekend for someone who you know up until relatively recently we were thinking was sort of F one's best and brightest. Tom. Oh boy, I mean. How many times are we going to be having this conversation about Danny Rick? You know, we've, uh, we've, oh, jeez. You know, you know, we've, we've, we've said, oh, it takes him a while to bed into a team when we saw that. And then obviously last year there was the whole, oh, a new cars next year. He'll be on top of it. He's not. Um, and in a race where we had, what, how many finished it? Did we have 14? Yeah. I think we finished 13th. 
after starting P14. Crash, we had two hats in the points. We had Latifi running eighth. Um, and you can't get a McLaren into the points when your teammate qualified P6. And or, yeah, P6 and finished. Yeah, P6. Finished P5, I think. Uh, no, finished P6. Oh, I did finish P6, sorry. Yeah. Um, mate, you're on borrowed time. <laughs> Danny, I like you, but your days are numbered, love. And uh, yeah, you know, you know, it's such a shame because, you, you know, there was one that, you know, uh, heart back to 20, 2014 to 2017 you know, a bit of 2018 when he won in Monaco and got redemption. It was like, you know, he, he was, everybody loved him. You know, he was doing bits in the Red Bull. Um, you know, he was always king of the late breakers or the rest of it. He was happy, he was cheery. Um, but he's been comprehensively beaten by Lando ever since he's been at McLaren. And I know McLaren have the option to take him up for next year. Today has not helped him at all. Um, I know some people are going, oh, but you win the last race in McLaren. Yes, I know that. But let's be fair, Lando should have won that race. And he only won it because um, Verstappen and Hamilton had a little smooch at turn one in Monza. Um, well, the cars did anyway. Um, and he effectively inherited first place. That was one of his stronger weekends, mind you. He has had some strong weekends, but... Today, just, just nowhere, absolutely nowhere. I mean, I don't even recall seeing him on the TV. I forgot he existed. You know, he was just, you know, but I, I looked at the standings afterwards and went, "Oh yeah, Ricardo, lol." Um, and and yeah, you know, it's just yeah. I'm trying not to be negative. I'm not not doing a very good job because. What more can you say? You, you know, it's not like he's twenty-two. You know, he was. It was his birthday on on Friday, um, which confused the heck out of me because his birthday is almost always in Austria, which is always the first weekend of July. I'm at Silverstone, and I'm just like, where? Um, you know, so you know, so it's you know, it's not helping my ADHD. But um, uh, but but you know, it's just I don't know how much longer McLaren can stomach this. And if they're going to want to be competitive, they need both cars regularly scoring points. And if you've got one driver who's already got a podium this year and has been pretty consistent in the points, and you've got the other driver who just cannot make it happen, if he was at Red Bull and this was happening, he'd have been out by now. Just putting it out there. And, you know, McLaren, prestigious name in F1. A lot of people do a lot of things to drive in that seat. Yeah, Daniel Ricciardo seems to have uh, has, have have gone the opposite way to Paris. <laughs> you know, ending, ending up in a big team and uh, and not really performing. Um, you know, Daniel Ricciardo. Sorry to say, but he's gone from last of the late breakers to last of the race finishers. Really. Um, last that we've got uh, the last of the usual run of the of the finishers. Um, we have Yuki Tsunoda. Um, you know, is this the, is the best he could have done, uh, given his race start, Sophia? Um, I think so. I think a lot of people might have forgotten, but he also had a five-second time penalty in that race due to spinning pretty much in sync with Gasly <laughs> on the restart after the safety car. Um, 
he and even the damage again he was caught up in that first um lap in uh, first turn incident uh with george and all that so um I was surprised even that the car was even going to be able to get out to begin with after the restart because it looked quite bad. Uh, but by the gods of the mechanics and the engineers getting it out in time for it. Um, but yeah, it, he was also quite quiet. Like after after um, the first turn incident and then that <laughs> in sync uh, running with Gassi because both of them were running in the points as well for some time. And then randomly Yuki decided to do a sync spin out with Gasly and then kind of dropped them both down. And then obviously Gasly retired towards the end of the race. Um, other than those two situations and then the five second penalty, there's nothing really that happened with Yuki. There was barely any time that he was caught up to a driver, uh, was able to do overtaking. I mean, the only overtaking that really happened was blue flags. Um, if that was the case for um, the rest of the race, but I mean, he kept it out. His crash, well, his damage wasn't caused by him specifically. He just got caught up in a bad situation. So he did better um, than he has in other races and such. But yeah, it was just quiet for him. I mean, kept it on. I think it was more data collection towards the end of the race than anything else um, for the team. But yeah, not a good day for AlphaTauri to begin with, which is compared to how well the well how better the Red Bull were as well um, this weekend. Quite a bit of a difference between the two teams. Yeah, 100%. Um, really big gap um, between the two teams um, normally. So, because you'd say the Tower is actually pretty quick. Um, now, we move on to the those who didn't make the checkered flag. Uh, we have Esteban Ocon, who... Um, before you know, we'll talk about pre, you know, pre the pre the issue that he had. Um, obviously, uh, I think that's only fair. Um, what would you make of Esteban's performance this weekend, Phil? I, I mean, I don't. I have to go back honestly and and check uh, on his qualifying. I'll just take that second here. I mean, he was in. Um, he only made it into Q two, so he didn't have a great start. In- Practice wise, I don't, uh, you know, it looks like he was kind of periphery top 10 kind of guy, uh, you know, not as fast as Fernando uh, this weekend. And uh, yeah, he did, in the end, he could, he didn't even get, I mean, he was one of 10 guys who didn't even go out and practice one. So, I mean, it just wasn't his weekend, uh, unfortunately for Esteban Ocon, but he was in a position based on who was left to get points. If he had, um, he was racing for Stoppen, which is always great um, because um, they are, they have such great magnetism with each other. Um, and um, the fact of the matter is he passed him. Uh, and left him la- looking like a lamppost and uh, or a light post, and then next thing you know, his car's stopping because it's like shutting off or doing whatever it is, and Alpine doing Alpine things. And um, unfortunately for Ocon, he re- he basically altered the entire race. Um, it would have been an in- I I mean, I personally would have loved to seen what it would have happened if it had went to the checkered flag. Um, I think I, I wonder about that in certain ways, but I also look at how that the, the finish happened 
happen because they are, their engine quit. Um, it's something we're going to have to look at. I think it's going to become a big issue here post uh, summer break with the engine penalties and having to take grid penalties and the whole bit. Um, having to lose power unit components in this spot is bad, especially when you had nothing to show for the weekend, really. Um, you know, so uh, just kind of a throwaway weekend for Esteban Ocon, but there was a time last year where it seemed like he was getting routinely um, beaten by uh, Fernando Alonso on a weekly basis. And then hungry happened. So, you know, so the fact is Ocon, they have their battle with McLaren. Um, that's what they have to do. So get his car back on track for next week, of course, give him new power unit components, put himself in a position so that they can compete against their actual battle, which is against McLaren um, and constructors. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, right. I'm just looking for... Uh what happened to Pierre Gasly? Um, I don't actually know why he fin- uh, why he retired on lap twenty six, halfway through the through the race. Um, the contact that he, all the stuff that he had with with Yuki, didn't that have something to do with it? And then maybe there might have been power unit stuff too going on, or some sort of like drive line issue too. Quite possibly. I mean, he did get a fair whack on the rear end. Um, yeah. Uh, again, and he really didn't have a lot of pace. To be fair, I'm sorry I'm interrupting Tom uh, on your guy on your spot here, but he didn't. It wasn't like they had any pace. Um, maybe they're just preserving the engine, you know, at that time because, I mean, with Yuki, it's lucky he finishes races, so they wanted him to get laps. In the case of Gasly, this year has been a disaster for as good as the last couple of years have been for him, or since he came back to. Alpha Tori this year, they're just nowhere. And now they're in a battle in that back midfield for, for constructors. And so he might have had um, underlining damage because obviously he was caught up with George and Joe as well. Um, and it could have been some damage that was not seen to begin with um, by the engineers when everybody was in the pit lane and probably might have caught up <laughs> um, to it. So it could be that as well. Yeah, um, right. Uh, that's, but I mean, to be honest, it, it doesn't really matter. He had a bad time. He spun with Gas, he spun with Tsunoda. That's all we really remember. Um, I don't know if Bottas was caught up in the accident at no. turn one. No. Do we know how he was? Do- he wasn't doing particularly amazing, but do we know how, why he retired in, tw- like in- all, all, all I heard was it was mechanical issues? Yeah, uh, okay. I mean, again, that's the Ferrari power unit, which isn't great <laughs> considering yeah. considering everything that's happened with it. Joe had fallen out of points position a few races ago, similar kind of thing. So, it, yeah. it, it also could be because of um, Bottas being the start of the second part of the collision as well on the first lap, um, breaking it too hard as well, because you saw the whole thing as well. And looking at the replays, it was like literally Bottas was breaking so hard, hence why Vettel came behind Alex and that could have had some kind of mechanical issues because obviously if you're breaking so quick on a first start, he had a good uh, like run off the line as well. He was doing quite well, making some paces above, but had to slam on brakes pretty much to avoid kind of any issues with um, that first part of the turn one incident. 
Yeah, of course. Um, which I think neatly brings us on to, uh, you know, obviously the, th- the the thing that turned this race on its head and means that we're doing this at seven o'clock, not six, um, is the accident between, well, I mean, pretty much anyone in the back half of the field. Um, I'm going to kind of open up this, this up a little bit more rather than going by individual driver. Um, now, I'm going to say, Tom, um, would you say that this 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 accident was anyone in particular's fault or do you think that this is probably just the um i guess the 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 natural sort of the the logical extreme of a first corner incident you know it's getting you know we're getting something when i start adjusting my mic because i'm trying to lean forward (laughs) this is nobody is to blame for this accident it is an accident it is a horrific accident, but it is an accident. An accident implies there is no one primarily or wholly to blame. If you had to apportion blame, you would have to point the finger at both Pierre Dazzi and George Russell. Because Latifi, you know, Gotifi, got a lightning start, went through that gap between Joe and Russell, who both had poor starts. And Sophia made a very good point in our EF1 chat earlier. She said a lot of people had very poor starts on the first first time round today. Um, and Dazzly saw a gap and went, oh, yoot, um, up, up through the middle. Why wouldn't you? Because you've just seen someone do it in front of you. And then Karun Chandok made a very good point on the Skypads where he said that Gassi had this horrible moment where he realised George was closing the gap, coming off his line. It was you know, closing the gap. And Gasly, it was either do I get pinched, do I break and get rear-ended? What do I do? He got caught. And then we all saw what happened. So, uh, no, I don't think anybody is to blame. And I stand by that. Um, With the other accident um, that that we saw, you know, so so the the album sort of Constantino effect. Again, I don't think there's anybody to blame because it was an accident. Um. Bottas started the chain reaction because he was avoiding a collision. And Albon was also avoiding the collision, but Vettel obviously couldn't see that far in front of him, so he didn't know what was going on. And as soon as he realised, we saw him we saw him attempt to break, we saw him stamp on the anchors, but obviously he was too close, he locked up, he hit Albon, and then we all saw what happened after that. So as far as I'm concerned, both of them, nobody's to blame, they were just terrible, terrible accidents. And I just want to say, uh, you know, I'm sure we're getting to this in a moment. I am so pleased to see that Zhou Guan Yu is okay. Because when they cut to that wide shot, as they came out the first corner and I saw that car scooting on its roof, I felt sick. And having seen the picture of that car wedged in between the fence and the, um, and, and, and the, and the barrier... Oh, and you can see Joe is in there because you can see his helmet still in the cockpit. Oh, God, I like that. Just, oh, no. That gave me horrific flashbacks to Bahrain 2020 um, or Sakia 2020. Uh, it's, yeah. Thank heavens for the safety improvements that we've had. And to see that a driver can, well, he didn't quite walk away, but he didn't have to be airlifted. You know, you know, he he walked onto the stretcher and he was in the paddock afterwards. You know, uh, you know, you know, Alban got taken to. I think he got taken to Coventry Hospital as a precaution. 
Um, but apparently, apparently he's doing okay as well. So I just want to say I'm so relieved to see that both drivers, well, all drivers involved are okay. Probably a bit mentally scarred and shaken up, but nobody is seriously injured. And that is the most important thing. Yeah, that's a good jumping off point. I would say that, you know, like I say, uh, as Thomas said, that, you know, both both drivers are okay. Uh, you know, Joe was back at the track uh, already, uh, was, or was, you know, up and about and, you know, talking to media and things like that. So that is uh, a testament to, again, you know, the strength of a formula, the strength and how, how they build a Formula One car. Um, the one thing I would say is what can we learn from this? I mean, what, what are the things that F1 is going to have to look at, particularly around tra- track safety? Because I think there's always something when there's a big accident um, there's always something to learn from it. Um, we saw that car skid along on its roll hoop for quite a while to the point where there wasn't one anymore. Um, we then saw going into the gravel where, you know, do, I think, I think, do you, do you think we need to investigate maybe the gravel trap? Because how yeah. we normally need to look at the thing of how did that car get from in front of a, 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 tire, a set of tyre barriers to behind a set of tyre barriers? Yeah, so it was where the gravel and the off-road met, and because Joe already had damage, that's what l- allowed the car to flip more easily. And then I, by the looks of it, the replay, it looks like it was hit on an awkward angle of the car, which made them flip even more to go over the barriers. Thank God for how high that fence was, but those photographers right behind there, like they literally were running because it was a split-second decision, and Thank God that there was not much um, shrapnel damage or damage outside the car because that could have hit somebody, that could have pierced somebody. Um, there was a video I saw on Instagram and it was like the people and the fans right next to it were like shielding each other. And even after the race, you could see a big black spot. And thank God the car wasn't on fire as well because if that car was on fire, this would have been a bigger, different story. Like, Watching that gave me Grosjean flashbacks because the fact that it took so long to hear anything, no radio, no communication, and even they purposely changed the angle of the TV formations that normally are quite wide. They cut it just to purposely show, uh, not to show Joe, made it so scary because she just didn't know what was going on. And like, even George Russell, like obviously the minute his car stopped, he is running out and he jumped onto the tire barriers to double check that if he was okay. It was just, it was so intense. And like Thomas said as well, like I, I'm, I'm very happy that Joe's okay. He was, he was even joking with Stefanato, um, Domenicali towards the end of it. You saw in Sky Sports, it, it could have been a lot worse than it actually was. And that 100% goes down to the Halo, Halo, which obviously came from um, the horrific accident with Jules. This is not the first time this weekend that the Halo has been a life-saving effect. We saw it in F2, if anybody did watch it with Dennis um, Hager and Roy Nassani as well. That was another life-saving um, support of the Halo, because otherwise it would have been Roy Nassani as well, who had had serious damage, and we can discuss that a little bit later as well, but... It, it needs to be investigated. I think it could be that the gravel was unleveled to the road, and that's probably one of the main things. And so they need to look into that. Also, maybe even change how the road is to maybe even change it to a dirt road or a gravel trap road, because it is possible. These cars can, well, 
not the F1 cars, but like the safety cars and sport cars, they can get bigger wheels. They can work on the gravel. So we don't need these tarmacked roads everywhere. If the cars can get to them in that kind of safe way, that makes sense. But oh, literally, like my heart sank. Like I said, it, it gave back the flashbacks to Grosjean. Happy he's okay. I mean, um, hopefully he will be racing in Austria. I would like to see him race, but I mean, everyone can understand if he wants to take a week off and <laughs> race in France um, for that. And even Alex Albon, actually, there's still no news about him. He was airlifted by helicopter out uh, to a hospital and I don't think he's been released yet. There's been no kind of communication on if he's been released, but he has been doing okay, but it was more preliminary checks, but the safety needs to be discussed throughout that sausage curbs as well, which caused the F2 accident. Um, the, like it, it was a catalyst by the bad start to begin with. That was kind of the crucial factor. It wasn't one driver that had a bad start. I think it was like maybe five or six had a bad start off the line. Had it been one driver, we wouldn't, I don't, I personally don't think we would have this incident, but because we had most of the mid grid have the same bad start, it just, was adding fuel to the fire pretty much and like i said i'm happy that joe's okay and everything and uh, glad to see that he's all right and hopefully with alex albon as well yeah 100 percent um no oh, uh yeah 100 percent um the one thing i will say uh i'm gonna kind of i'm gonna kind of sort of slightly skip over albon in that you know i think we've covered how what happened to it uh, what happened to him obviously we you know he's still in hospital and we wish for him to have a speedy recovery um from any uh, health issues that he's, he's currently suffering with. Um, you know, I think they just got hit up the rear and, and was a bit of a pinball, unfortunately, from that. And there's nothing he could do. Um, the thing that got to me is that um, we saw, obviously, Russell stopped on track and, and the car wasn't that damaged. Um, and, he, and as you say, uh, Sophia, he ran across to um, check on on Joe uh, Granu. Uh, um, you know, bearing in mind what happened, um, do you think... I think we do, do. Do we need to examine? I mean, it's it's a little in the weeds now, but um, yeah. do, do, do we do we need to examine? Like, he should he have been able to restart that race? Bearing in mind that obviously no. he did he did get no. he, he did get no. outside assistance, but should he have got outside assistance? I think it's probably it might be a moot point. Bearing in mind that he couldn't get the car restarted. Yeah, but, if if he had gotten his car restarted, that's where the then they. I mean, the problem. I mean, first of all, he did what, you know, George Russell is part of why so many people are a fan of him. He cared more about, you know, Zhou Guan Yu in that spot instead of thinking, oh, I can get back to the pits if I can either bump start this thing or whatever. He went and did that. Once he got out of the car, he kind of lost control of the situation. He went and did the Dale Earnhardt thing, like circa Daytona 597, sees, oh, I could get this fixed really quick if I go and do that, and then I can go in and finish in the top five or six or something, which he probably would have, essentially, considering what happened the rest of the day. But he got out of the car. He went, he went one way. Then he went across the other way and went to talk to his, talk to his people, um, the Mercedes mechanics. Then he tried to come back. By the time you do all that stuff, I mean, I mean, God bless him. He, he seemed like he was like an 800 meter runner the way he was going today or some sort of like uh, um, runner does the, the big marathons. They were going to put the car on, a, on, a, on, the, on one of the rollbacks at that point. It, 
if he could have gotten the thing started, we don't talk about this and that aspect of it. He got out of the car because he was thinking of his fellow driver. And that was the thing. It's unfortunate, you know, he was doing what was right, honestly. The rest of the people that were involved in that crash were thinking about other than Albon, of course, which also is one of his best friends. So he was probably worried about him too. Um, he, they would have probably been able to go, but they couldn't restart it based on these rules. In the old days, like I was thinking about when Sophia and Tom were talking about it, I think of two incidents. I think of Martin Brundle's crash in Australia at the start of the 96 season in the Jordan, and he went and slid on his his head and flipped over. I um, just thought of another one. The, uh, I think there was the um, Gutierrez Alonso crash there um, back years ago at Australia and then um, Michael Andretti at mid Ohio, which is interesting because they just had the Indy car or 2016. Thanks. Um, they, and Michael Andretti at um, mid Ohio back in like 96, 97 area where he got launched over the back of a car and flipped through a sand trap. And that was back in the old days of Indy cars. Um, you know, those you look at the the safety innovations all these years later, you're talking about 96 to now, you're talking about, you know, 25, whatever, or more than that, years. And um, you're, you know, six, six, I'm trying to, you know, nearly 30 years. And um, the fact is, it's so much progression. Um, I mean, yeah, George couldn't restart the race. Back in the day, you would be, you'd have a, you'd have a third car. Now they don't have that. You essentially have a bare chassis, which has some parts, and you wouldn't be able to get that car ready in the time in an hour. I mean, granted, I think these guys, these mechanics, the men and women who are working on these cars, seem to be aliens. The way they're able to repair some of this damage and put things back together. Um, in an hour's time, but if they had figured out a way to put a car together in an hour, if they were allowed to, that might have been one of the greatest things I've seen since Audi went and replaced the back end of the R8 in like one lap and then put it back out there at Le Mans. Um, but that wasn't to be. Um, George, unfortunately, wasn't able to race, but in the end, hopefully all parties will be okay um, we'll see what happens with Joe Guan Yu and Alfa Romeo. They're not one of the bigger teams, of course. Um, that damage could be bad. Of course, Haas had to deal with that earlier this year a couple of times with Mick, um, and they had to keep him out for the race the next day, in this case, to have a week or five days to get ready for Austria, see if they're able to get that car back out there. Um, and then in terms of Albon, I guess all their – um, I don't know how many of the bits are functional that were new um, relative to them having uh, bits to give to Alex um, to give to um, Latifi and Albon for next race. So um, the reality is what I mean, what both Tom and Sophia and, and we are all thinking. I mean, the reality is uh, it could have been a lot worse. We're grateful that they're all going to be hopefully OK. And um it wouldn't have been that way back in the day uh, for sure. But I think there are the, the amount of paved runoff areas. I mean, this stupid grade one garbage that they say, which is why you can't go to a lot of U.S. circuits that are really good road courses instead of racing in a stupid marina in a parking lot in Miami. Um, you know, like garbage like that. And then going in like maiming circuits to the point where you have like Hockenheim, which was a joke. 
Um, and then you have, you have Paul Ricard, which is one of the goofiest racetracks on planet our earth and could be like an acid trip. It's because of, they constantly pave all these runoffs. It's like, it's, you don't need that. You have good guardrail technology. They have, or not guardrail, you have good wall technology with like safer barriers at tech pro or whatever, go and invest in that figure out ways you have the best braking performance in these cars and in probably the LMDH hypercars. And these are the cars that usually race there. Um, if there's plenty of motorsports vehicles that can run on tracks that don't have a whole lot of runoff area, then these cars can deal with that too. Um, so I guess that's my aside in regards to having constantly having miles and miles of paved runoff areas, which give, don't really take off any any uh, pace um especially when you're upside down and if you don't have any brakes you won't lose any pace either so uh it's kind of interesting how that all works yeah um yeah well so we've sort of covered him um is uh is albon obviously uh <laughs> he's not he's not classified but he's classified as last uh unfortunately it does mean that as you you know as you say um Williams don't know how well their upgrade package worked. Uh, bearing in mind they ran it in the wet and they ran it for about 300 meters, and that's all we know. Um, yeah, so after that, um, we are going to go to our drivers of the day. Um, Tom, who is your driver of the day? Because um, <laughs> no, they're in contention. I'm going to say Hamilton. Oh, interesting. In fact, people weren't expecting that one. No, no. I didn't have that on my bingo card. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grid talk, bingo, having talk, saying something good about about ah. Lewis is the same way as me saying something positive about his guy. So it's that. Exactly, I, that yeah. would, <laughs> Swings around of us. Um, yeah, Sophia, who's your, who's your driver of the day today? I think I'm going to go with the one I voted for on the F11. I think it, Carlos Sainz. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, Phil, who's your driver of the day? Well, I guess I might as well go in and go with the 20% that um, said Checo Perez. Um, I didn't want to go full homer um, with Lewis, so Tom helped me out with that. Um, I The next option was, was uh, Carlos Sainz because it's his first win, but Sophia got me on that one. So I'll just go with Checo because that's like one of his greatest performances other than his first win, which he came from tailback after getting involved in stuff early in the race and um, won because Mercedes screwed up George Russell's pit stop <laughs> and, and then he got a cut tire. But um, yeah, so um, Checo Perez then uh, getting a second place finish as the tea kettle's going off here in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> my dad has one of those. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna slightly cheat, um, but I know so I can do it. Uh, is I'm gonna go with honourable mention for George Russell for actually, you know, going and tr- seeing if he could do anything to help, which is, you know, we always want to commend that. Um, but I think I'm actually gonna go with Leclerc as my driver of the day, who with a broken M plate and ruined front downforce, actually managed to be putting in past his laps and re- and really like really st- like uh you know making it a hard time uh for people to get past i think he actually did a fairly good job and the only reason he didn't have a good job was because he got kind of a bit 
um, you know, stuffed on the uh, on Ferrari's decision making speed uh, when it comes to her safety car. Otherwise, I think it'd have done a damn good job, and we might have had a completely different result. Um, equally as exciting of one of you know, I'm going to come in and say it's one of the most exciting races I've seen all year, uh, if not the most. Um, with the main show over the out of the way, though, uh, we've got oh, obviously lovely guests. Um, so we, you know, where, where can we find you, Phil? I have to unmute myself. You can find me uh, and my co-host, uh, Josh Fine on the Grip Strip podcast. Uh, we're uh, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. We talk about all things motorsports, uh, both here in the United States and abroad. Um, we'll talk about um, uh, Logan Sargent's first F2 win uh, that took place. So first win for an American since Alexander Rossi in the number two series of the main feeder series in formula one. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about all the racing that took place this weekend, not only in formula one, but NASCAR, IndyCar, um, four wheels, two wheels, as long as it goes fast, you can listen to the grip strip podcast and we'll talk about it. Um, I'm usually, um, I get um, sufficiently um, uh, loaded at times. And then there's other times when I can stay a little more sober um, either way, um, you get the most of me, uh, you, uh, for the people that do want to listen to that, um, we are more long form. We kind of go over everything kind of a little more detail. Um, so if you like to have a nice long podcast during your, um, weekday, um, uh, while you're working, go and listen to us. You'll get, uh, a little bit of everything there. Um, so, um, thanks, Wayne. Great job hosting and glad to be a part of the part of the everyday everything f1 crew for just a a few uh, hours time here um with tom and sophia so that was a, a great show today and glad that everybody's okay and that right yeah uh and as you mentioned we've got uh two people from the everything f1 podcast who's gonna do it this time where can we find the podcast <laughs> I guess I will. I'll say. It's a standoff here. It's a standoff here. Who wants to say the uh, the, the spiel? Well, because it's a lot. Um, yeah. So uh, as mentioned, everything F one. We have a website which is www.everythingf1.com. We post daily opinion pieces, information, reviews about F one, F two, F three, F E, IndyCar, and W series. Uh, we're on all social media at either Everything F1 or at Join EF1, and it's social media such as TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, yeah, I think that's if, if off the top of my head. We also do have a podcast that gets live recorded every Tuesday night around 8.30 um, with special guests throughout the entire season, and then it is live, well, it is dropped onto also uh podcast platforms such as spotify apple itunes on wednesday morning middays awesome uh and i suppose i better do the group promo for us where 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 if you are listening to grid talk it's available on youtube um if you uh, and uh, most episodes are recorded live as I stumble my way through this uh, most episodes are recorded live like this one this one went a bit long but you know 
<laughs> it's one of those races where it has to, um, as well as Amazon Fire, uh, yeah, Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. Just search uh, Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results. Uh, please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment for our presenters. Uh, you can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise, uh, including our Champions Range, uh, f1chronicle.com forward slash store. Um, and make sure you, you make sure to subscribe so that you're the first to know when each new we- weekly episode is released. Uh, we will be back soon with plenty of more F1 content. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you stick around and you, you, you know, if you're, if you're listening, we always do a post show uh, where we're going to be talking about a little bit more about halos for fun. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a sneak preview. That's a, you know, come on, listen live. You know, you want to, if you're listening after the fact, um, thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>